Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and I want to start uh, in verse 19. And uh, it is good to see the Fosters and um, that new little boy. pray we've got a number of people that have uh, gotten in contact with COVID and um, so some of the people not not all of them but some of them that you are missing here this morning um, are uh, out with COVID and it's good to see Brother Beaver back with us and uh, he's had a time with his blood pressure and uh, I have been concerned about it. He called, or I called him a few weeks ago, and uh, he told me what it was. And uh, I didn't say a whole lot to him, but um, it was awfully high. And uh, so it's good to have him here uh, with us today. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 3, and uh, I would like to begin uh, in verse 19. The Bible says there to help if I turn from 13 to chapter 3. Um, Bible says there, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Uh, that it's a very important part uh, because he's saying be converted. And I'll get into a little bit about what that's about here shortly that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God had spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began for Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And I want you to notice in verse 19, there's a phrase there. It says, The times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then look in verse 21. It says, The times of restitution of all, of all things. And I want to preach here a 
about the times of refreshing. And let's ask the Lord to touch um, our hearts here this morning. Lord, we are thankful for your goodness. I'm thankful, God, again for an opportunity to come and, Lord, to worship, to pray, to sing. Lord, to hear your word. I pray, God, that somehow, Lord, that our minds and hearts would be stimulated. That, God, that you would be able, Lord, to help us, Lord, to be hungry for the times of refreshing. I pray, Lord, again today, Lord, I want revival, Lord, in my life. Lord, I want revival, God, in this congregation. Oh, I pray, Lord, not just for us as a Lord, local congregation. Lord, but I pray even beyond these four walls. Lord, I pray, God, even now this morning, Lord, that you touch every church, God, in this city. Oh, I pray, Lord, somehow, help them, Lord, not to be conscious of the time, Lord, that's the clock on the wall, but that they would instead, Lord, be conscious of what's taking place in our world. Our times, God, are short. And Lord, I pray, God, that somehow, Lord, that they recognize the day of their visitation and that they respond, God, accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. <clears throat> And uh, I uh, <clears throat> pray I don't get to coughing and all that, but it was my fault that I didn't get any cough drops. And I, if you got one, I'll uh, 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 Brother Pierce is already veering me off on a bad deal. He he had to tell me this week and send me a deal. Y'all heard about that preacher that went off on his congregation because <clears throat> they he didn't get a Movado watch. He told them they were a bunch of cheapskates and all that sort of. If you didn't see that, it was quite humorous and uh, probably gives the rest of us a bad name. And I hate that they. <clears throat> gave all that airplay instead of talking about the good things that takes place in the house of the Lord. And, uh, but, again, I'm coming to you from the theme and the thought of, of revival. I, I, want, I want a spiritual awakening in my life. I, I want an awareness of the Lord um, like I have never had before. And, uh, <clears throat> Sister Sully did tell me uh, this morning uh, before church, asked me if, if I had gotten a text from Brother Sully, and I had not. Uh, but apparently there's been some contact <clears throat> with some believers in Senegal uh, that they have found some people that they did not realize that was there that have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they have received the Holy Ghost, somewhere in excess of 200, and they're trying to make contact with uh, Brother Sully. And I, I, would just, I would just tell you this, that the Jesus name apostolic message, it works its way into our world 
in our day, and that's the power of the gospel. And so there are times where that we may be discouraged in the thoughts that we look around and, and think that, that the Lord is, is not aware uh, of, of what is taking place, but there are congregations where people are being converted and that they are coming to, I just believe, a saving knowledge and conversion in their lives of the Lord Jesus Christ. This message that I have read to you here, and that's what it is, it's actually a, a sermon that follows the raising of the lame man there in Acts chapter 3 that Luke gives us an account of. And whenever he starts in about that, I, I don't know if you realize, I know that there are, are places that minimize preaching and they minimize the Word of God, but I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but one-fourth of the book of Acts takes up the matter of preaching and teaching. And there are things that whenever you look at the practice of the apostles that they did teach and preach the word of the Lord. And so this crowd that was gathered in here on this day to hear what uh, was being said, they uh, Peter preached to them and he just kind of started a progression of points. And you see them there beginning somewhere around verse 12 and, and he talks to them. He said, I want to tell you about uh, the source and the power of holiness that it originates from literally from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about the death and the burial and the resurrection there in verses 12 uh, through 15. And then he talks about in verse 16, he, he tells them, he said, in his name through faith in his name had made this man strong or, or hold whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And, and, and so in verse 19 here is what fi we find out that Peter sort of begins the conclusion of that sermon that he is preaching there. And, and it's important that whenever you start looking at the matter of preaching in itself, that number one, it's going to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, there's going to be a call to repentance. There, there can never be a place and and time in my life where that there is an immunity from, from me repenting and constantly calling on the name of the Lord in a, a daily manner. But I'm just going to tell you, just as Paul said, Paul told the church, he said that, that there's a matter of me that, that I have to die day, daily. And that is the matter of, of, of the difficulty sometimes that comes with repentance. Because what repentance does, or, or sometimes our hesitation to repent, is because that we want to justify and rationalize our behavior. And we want to put off and say, well, I don't need to really repent. But, but I'd like for you to look with me. You know this verse, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Here is what Peter said. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive 
the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then turn with me to Acts uh, chapter 8 and look there in verse 22. The Bible says it like this, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the fault of thine heart may be forgiven thee. That was to a, a man that was by the name of Simon the sorcerer. And then turn over uh, to one other place, and that's in Acts chapter 26 and verse 20. This is whenever Paul is given one of the final defense uh, of his fate there in uh, before, before one of those political leaders. And he says in verse 20, he says it like this, and, and but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. He was saying that there's got to be something that you do, that, that you turn away in obedience and that you come away from the things that somehow that you are aware uh, of the sinful practices that may be present in your life. When you look at that word there, repent, the word behind it gives the, the following definition. That means to change your mind. That means to change your mind for the better or to amend uh, with abhorrence one or uh, the past sins that you have been responsible for there in the past. And I, and I really feel like that, that one of the challenges of our day is that whenever we talk about this matter of conversion, that, that sometimes it goes like this, that, that we want to say, well, uh, if you turn your life to the Lord, then things are going to get better. I, I would just tell you this, that sometimes if you turn your life over to the Lord, things very well might get worse. Because all of a sudden you've been dropped into a battle and prior to that the devil was not really concerned about you. So there's a sense that people come uh, to the Lord at times and, and we don't like to say this in Pentecostal churches because we just feel like we're, we're not like that. And yet throughout the epistles there's a, even in the parables of the Lord there is that matter that's woven through there that there can be false converts and there can be people that, that they look like that they have repented. They look like that they have, have uh, found a place or a point of salvation but they have have not been converted. And again, I just want to just tell you this. One of the biggest fallacies and challenges that the Pentecostal movement faces, and I remember whenever I was younger, there, there may have been a little hesitation about saying this, but whenever I started reading some of the words that, that Andrew Urshan wrote and even some of the things that, that G.T. Haywood had to say, and it was this, is that there are times where that people put a premium on being able to speak in tongues and they think, well, I'm okay. That that people would come to church and they would think, oh, well, if I speak in tongues, I am going to be okay. I'm just going to tell you what that is. That is deception because there are people that can come in and they can go through their little emotional response and then on Monday drop right back into the same practices and behavior that they were in on the Saturday before that Sunday. Hear me out that tongues are the initial sign that you have been filled 
along with the Spirit. The ongoing work of the Spirit is whenever you look at the fruit of the Spirit that's in your life. And uh, I know that was kind of quiet, but anyway, so be it. Remember years ago, Brother Patterson, and um, he, he told me one time, and this has been 25 years ago, so you probably would not figure out who it is, but uh, he said that one night in the altar, he said there was an individual that was down there, and they were uh, basically down there just cutting the rug, and he said that, uh, I say cutting the rug, they were in that jubilant state. And, and just let me, we, we need joyful and responsive worship. But Brother Patterson said that, that he looks back and he said he felt prompted by the Lord to tell that person to get up and to sit down on that front pew and don't do anything else for the rest of the service. Because what that person had done is that person had bought into the fact that they were okay if they were able to do that part. But here's the true calling that you have to understand about this matter of salvation, that there's got to be repentance, and it's got to work in our hearts and in our spirits. Repentance involves two different categories. It deals with the glaring sins of the flesh, and, and yet it deals as well with the silent sins of the spirit. Paul wrote the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Here's what he said. He said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Did you grasp that? Paul is saying, you know what, you can look okay from the outside. Brother Nate was mentioning some of that Sunday night while he was preaching, which we did an excellent job. I hope you don't forget those three lies that he talked about, that you can lie to yourself and you can lie to others and you can lie to a man of God. But at the end of the day, Gehazi was marked up with leprosy. But the Bible tells us that sometimes we can work we can get the outside looking very well, but there's still, as Paul indicates, that there can be filthiness of the flesh and filthiness of the spirit, which nobody at times can really understand. That word there of filthiness has the meaning of, of defilement that has the ability to stain whatever it comes in contact with. In fact, this is the only place in the New Testament that that word appears in that particular context. And so here's the part that we have to understand that repentance is twofold in its directions. And it's negative. One of those matters is, and it says that the negative aspect means it means that we need to turn away from sin that captures every part of that man's life. And then the second part is positive, and that means that we will turn toward God and we will turn away from the sin. And then the presence of the Lord is able to help us, is able to touch us. Don't ever take the presence of the Lord lightly. And then Paul comes along and he talks about that matter of perfecting. What does that mean? That means to bring it to an end, to accomplish or to complete that work and that matter that the Spirit of God is working out in our lives. And so when you look at that, what, what does that look like? What do the sins 
of the flesh look like. I'll just name them off quickly. This is from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 through 21. Adultery and fornication, uncleanness. That means lacking chastity in thought. That especially refers to the unnatural sins of homosexuality and all that goes along with that. He talks about idolatry and witchcraft and, and variance. That means fighting and quarreling, especially with words. It, it can sometimes be understood as scolding. It means to cut apart or divide into emulations. That means a bowling or rising up from the spirit, sometimes very closely connected to jealousy and, and to envy or indignation at somebody else's happiness or at their success. Wrath, that's violent emotions of the mind that moves us toward revenge or strife, angry contention with others that never seems to see seditions, which is division and and dissension or sometimes even rebellion and, and murders and drunkenness and, and revelings that would be those that are half drunk and they're involved in loud and obnoxious behavior that would lead them toward immoral activities and then finally he speaks of that matter of lying and cheating and stealing. I would just say to you here this morning that if you are practicing anything of those manner in your life you need to stop and you need to repent and you need to turn away from that sin that you have there in your life because the times of refreshing they cannot come to my life or to yours if there's an involvement with that but then the sins of the spirit what do those look like those can be so hidden because they're mostly subtle and they're usually, pri usually private. And so you say, well, what, what does that look like? Well, self-centeredness and self-indulgence or self-righteousness or selfish ambition or greed. That is one of, the, one of the craziest attitudes and spirits that you ever could find yourself to say, I've, I've got to have another dollar. I've got to have another this, another that, another just a craving for material things that are going to pass away. Now, books are not in that category of being greedy over. just want to clarify that, okay? Maybe it is. Maybe I need to. But hatred and hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is? It's being one thing here and being something else at home and being something else on your job or something else at school. But what about envy and bitterness and pride and malice and covetousness and cowardice and deceit, and anger, and evil thoughts. And this is one I need to, need to work with, and that's worry. Um, when I worry, and I do a fair share of it, what I'm saying is, is I don't trust God to work it out. 
And another sin of the Spirit can be laziness and uh, jealousy and lust and arrogance and boasting. And this is another big one, is unbelief. Those can be sins of the Spirit. And I dare say that there's probably some of those here today that if I've read those out to you, and you really have to watch it as you get older, that you have to guard yourself against being bitter. And that is a large challenge is that as life moves along, you look back at offenses, you look back at lost opportunities, you look back sometimes with a wistful eye and say, if only, and it can cause you to get bitter with life. And I just say here today, put that in the hands of the Lord and move forward. The Lord is aware of every bit of the frailties and challenges uh, that are in our, our lives. But be careful that you don't fall into the trap of being so concerned about all the matters of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, that you forget about the things of the Spirit. And Peter comes along and, and he tells us, he said, I, I want to tell not just you people that are listening to me somewhere around 34, 35 A.D., he said, I'm not just talking to you, but I'm talking to those of us that are here this morning in 2022. That it's the matter for all of mankind to turn away from these things and be converted. And you've got to understand that repentance is more than just sorrow. Uh, sorrow may or may not be involved. I, I do think there probably is a sorrow and a broken and a contrite spirit. Sometimes it comes to us whenever we consider this, this matter of sin, but, but a man can repent because he makes a determination that he's going to turn away from those things. I, I told you a story I think I did a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to read refresh that, and uh, Brother Sims, uh, 15, 18 years ago, uh, he said when he repented, uh, he said it took him a little while before he got the Holy Ghost, he said, but he repented, and uh, he told me, he said he had two barbecue grills, and, and um, he said that he got rid of those barbecue grills. And uh, he said that people looked at him and 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 you're crazy, Richard. You're crazy. You're 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 nuts for getting rid of those grills. But here's what Brother Sam said. Brother Brother Sam said that every time uh, after he repented, I think he only done it once or twice. But he said he'd fire that grill up, and he said there was a craving on the inside of him for for beer. And he said he'd drink one, and next thing you know, he was a he was a, just a happy drunk and he said I had to figure out I've got to get rid of these grills because when I grilled and that charcoal and and uh, that that grilled pork chops and hamburgers and whatever it is that that uh, it just created a craving inside of him 
for alcohol. You say, how ridiculous. Well, I don't know that that's ridiculous because here's what Jesus said. He said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, then you've got to cut that off as well. And you say, oh, that's so drastic. No, no, it's not drastic at all if you see the final reward and you see the final destination for where you're going. That's what repentance is. That's whenever you turn away. You say, I got to get rid of this stuff. I got to quit watching things that that stirs up emotions, either of violence or lust in my life. I've got to get away from people that they are having a negative spiritual influence on me. I've got to move away from those old patterns of life if they're going to cause me to stumble and to fall. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about revival. Repentance can be so difficult in our day because of incredible desensitizing effects that true sin has on us. And uh, even if you, uh, it, it's just it's for Fox News. You get on your phone sometimes or your iPad and you look up at Fox News. I, I got a question. What do some of the, the thumbnails that they put up, it's clickbaits, what it is. They want you to click on that. Want you to, and you put those things up and they draw you in toward worldly, ignorant things. You say, well, I, I got to know about the news. I would just tell you this. All of us are probably glutted with news. And if that's not the challenge on the other tendency, there is sometimes where we lean toward behavior modification. And we feel good. Oh, yeah, I, I can modify my behavior. But behavior modification is always attached to self-righteousness. And uh, I, have, I have prayed for myself I have prayed for a lot of you over the last several weeks. And I have prayed for, I would say, probably everybody in this congregation. I have called your name out that the Lord would bring revival to this church. And you say, why? Why? Is because I know this. I know that revival takes care of of a lot of issues that we face in life. And so you look back at some of the Pentecostal revival, Stone's Folly, Topeka, Kansas, man by the name of Charles Parham. And uh, most of you probably are not aware of this, but if you dig in and you start reading, Charles Parham was a man that uh, he was much maligned and much criticized, and they did everything they could to rip down and tear apart his reputation. And uh, here in the last <clears throat> year or so, I have uh, had the occasion to be around uh, three men that I have not normally been around a whole lot. That's Brother Waldron over in Albany, Brother Bobby Kilman there at IBC's, the 
dean of theology there and then Brother Roy are out in, in the Sacramento. And they have, have sort of bumped me in a direction of some resources that I was not aware of. And so I started bringing up these things. I was like, well, these things say this and that about Charles Parham. And so they started saying that there was this part where it was documented that, that a lot of that was false charges and that they were trumped up. They run him out of Kansas and he ended up in Texas and then they ran him out of Texas. And why did they do that? Because the places where that he went, there were revivals that took place. And I started thinking about some of the embarrassment that so many early Pentecostals had to deal with that we don't know anything about. Preachers getting up to preach and they would be in the back at Brush Arbors and they'd bring baskets and bushels of rotten tomatoes and rotten cucumbers and they'd throw them at those preachers while they were trying to preach. Brother Patterson told a story years ago about one place where that a fellow brought a water moccasin into that church and had it down in a, in a bag. And that guy was trying to preach. And he reached in and grabbed that and flung it out on the pulpit. And, and uh, the guy just, I mean, startled. Can you imagine a water moccasin landing on you while you're trying to preach? And he just swatted him off of the pulpit and continued to preach. And, and I have found some extremely reliable sources that now that the things of Charles Parham, that those things were not true, but they did everything they could to tear down their reputation. You go to Azusa Street and, and you go to William Seymour and the Los Angeles Times did everything that they could. You read about that in Cecil Robeck's book about revival and they did everything they could to tear apart the reputation of those simple honest and sincere people that the majority of them, they had nothing. They were day laborers. They were poor people. And that's what Pentecost did. It appealed to them. I look back at, at my grandparents and the poverty that my granny was in and the poverty that my great-grandfather was an old apostolic preacher and my great-grandmother, the poverty that they lived under. I look at the poverty that my, my grandmother lived under and the stigma that she was under while she was a, a tongue talker, a, a one that had been baptized in Jesus' name and they laughed at them. There was power in their prayers. Oh, we need revival. And yet you get on YouTube and discernment ministries, most of them, they mock what we do. Let me tell you where we're at. I talked to a number of pastors on a regular basis. I talked to two men this week. I felt so for them. Uh, one of the pastors talked about his attendance is, is prior to COVID was in the 80s. Now it's dropped off and they're in the 30s, their financial situation is, is horrific. I talked to another pastor and, and the situation where that he's at is not much better. And, uh, and the challenges that those churches are facing 
And then I talked to Brother Gary Evanson, who pastors in Secaucus, New Jersey, which is just right across the, the Hudson River. It basically is New York City for all practical purposes. And they have been meeting in a Reformed Presbyterian church, and, and the church had gotten down. There was only eight members there. The youngest one, get this, was 71 years old. And they kept dying off and dying off and dying off and no growth. And so Brother Evanson and his congregation, which was up over 100, uh, was keeping maintenance on the building and taking care of it. And so they, when, not, when the older folks died off, then it come under the auspices of that district there. And, and uh, they came in and, and Brother Evanson offered, we want to buy this building here. And uh, now they're being outbid and the potential buyers for this congregation are Hindus. And they're going to turn that church to a Hindu temple. And that's New York City. And so the Presbyterians and the Lutherans, the Methodists, they're dying out. Brother Royer, I talked to him this week. In Sacramento, there are multiple United Methodist churches that are basically dying and what they do is they have women pastors, and, and I, I want just, to just show you right here. Here are all the scriptures. Uh, I'm going to show you. Here are all of the scriptures in the Bible for women pastors. Shouldn't have shown you that sheet because I had a little bit wrote at the top. Here you go, right here. Here's all the scriptures that you see for a woman leading a congregation to being a pastor. And you say, well, but my aunt or my grandmama or whatever, I, I, I can't help what your mama or grandmama or your aunt did. All I know is what Paul said. And Paul is the model for church leadership, not my sentimental views nor your sentimental view. But, but they were greatly used of God. And, and we have warm, fuzzy feelings whenever they, it doesn't matter. If we're going to be apostolic, then we've got to be apostolic. You can't pick and choose and say, well, I'm going to have this part, and I want this part, and I'm going to pull it all together, and we're going to mix it in. You've got to take all of it. I know that's not popular, but... Brother Royer said what they do is they use a, a woman pastor and they call her a closer. And what she does is she comes in within six months to a year's time, she's closed that church down and then they sell it. And so they found two Methodist churches there in the Rio Linda, Sacramento area and he said we'd like to purchase one, one of them. They couldn't purchase because the process had already sold it to uh, some six, S-I-K-H-S, not the, the group, and they turned it into a Hindu temple. And now they started moving toward another building that seats right around 300. It's got six classrooms, four smaller classrooms, and then a fellowship hall. He said it would, it would work so well for what we're wanting to do. He said, but, but I talked to the man who said he was a member of the church, and he said, well, he said, we'll take your offer into consideration. He said, but, but we've also got a Hindu group that's looking at it, 
And uh, and Brother Oyer says, but I thought you were a, I thought you were a member of this church. He said, oh, I, I am. He said, well, do you come to this church? He said, oh, oh no, I, I hadn't been to this church in years. And Brother Royer said, now, say, t- tell me again what you just said. And they're going to take that United Methodist Church. John Wesley would be rolling in his grave if he was aware of that. And you say, you're calling names. You're not being politically correct. Listen to me. Political correctness is never going to get a revival going. Religious correctness and political correctness will take a revival and strangle the life out of it. And you say, well, that's in California and that's in New York. Trust me, there are spiritual battles at large in the United States. And while Brother Patterson was was teaching this morning, I looked in Jeremiah 15 read some of the verses around what he had read and there's a word there. I think it's Jeremiah 15 and 11. It talks about a remnant. I'm going to do everything I can to be a remnant pastor. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you're remnant saints. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this is a remnant church. You say, what are you talking about? I want this to be a praying church, a worshiping church, a holy church, a reverent church, a powerful church. And what it's going to take is it's going to take somebody to have some spiritual leadership and say, come on, y'all. Come on, we've got to have a revival. We've got to have spiritual awakening. I want you to stand. Now, here's what, here's what else. There are good things you can find on uh, YouTube. and I found this fella here, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And uh, he's a black preacher. And he's had an incredibly dramatic conversion and uh, has experienced the Holy Ghost. They baptize in Jesus' name and, and uh, their holiness needs some work, but I'm going to give them some grace on that. Uh, but they've got video cameras, and I, I'm just telling you now, it's so, um, it's nothing like what we do here, okay? I thank God that we've got y'all. Matt and Sarah and Clay and all those that help him, help him and her uh, do what they do. But they just got a camcorder and they're in there. And and I started watching in places and little old storefronts in Chicago, Illinois. Y'all know the place where you read about it. You'll, You'll see tomorrow about all the murders that took place this weekend in Chicago. But in that building, this guy's is in his mid-30s. And he's got two or three guys working with him. And uh, little old storefronts, little old rooms. They're casting out devils. They're praying through people to the Holy Ghost. They're baptizing them in horse troughs. cannot afford to get too important to think that we don't need to crave and hunger and desire revival. 
hadn't been over to the student building lately, y'all go over and take a look. It's coming along. It's going to look good when it's all said and done. A lot of painting, a lot of construction went on over there last week. Walls coming down. I put my hands on insulation. It had been put up and sealed up in those walls back in the 73, 74, 75. And I thought about that this week when I pulled those panel walls down and put my hands on this. I thought, I wonder if Brother Patterson or Brother Dowdy, one of those men may have put that, because they built that church over there. And now we're here. But don't ever let time or success diminish a hunger for God. Don't let new paint, don't let sheetrock, don't let a big fellowship hall or a youth room, don't let any of that move you to the place where that, oh, I'm, I'm beyond repentance. I don't need revival. Oh, Lord, show us your glory. I'm going to pray for you. And, uh, and, and then I'm going to open these altars up. And if you feel like you need to be dismissed, Lord, bless you. And I'm going to pray. And for those of you that, that if there's a stirring in your spirit for revival, even if it's just a faint cold, I pray that the wind of the spirit will blow on that. Say, hey, we've got so much more potential. There's people out there that needs salvation. People out there, their lives are a wreck. It's gonna be dirty. It is. Evangelism is dirty. But when the power of God gets in somebody's life and starts transforming them. change that it does in their lives I want to pray for you today Lord Jesus Christ Lord I pray Lord you know you have heard me call out this multiple times Lord bring revival Lord first of all to us personally stir our prayers Lord, stir our hunger for holiness. Stir, Lord, a passion for the lost to want to see people. Lord, fill with your spirit. I'm asking you, Lord, today, visit this church with revival. But I pray, God, for the Lord, for the pastors in the wire grass. I pray for those elders, God, that are in some of those churches. Lord, some of them, Lord, they are so full, God, of, Lord, sin and hypocrisy and a religious spirit. I pray against that, Lord. Lord, but all of them are not like that. Lord, there are pastors that are sincere. They're hungry. There are elders. Lord, in those churches, 
God, they desire, Lord, a sweeping move of your spirit. They, they won't know how to control it, and it may catch them by surprise. But, Lord, I pray, Lord, pour your spirit out on the, the city of Dothan, Alabama. I pray, Lord, you pour your spirit out on Houston County and Henry County and Barber County. Oh, I pray, Lord, pour your spirit out on Alabama. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive us, Lord. Oh, I pray, Lord, today, forgive us. Help us, Lord, to turn away, Lord, from sinful practices and sinful attitudes. Fill us, God, with your spirit and help us, Lord, to be converted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray.